are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, let's get right down to it. 2024 uh, will be here soon, and before you can blink your eyes, we will be in the year 2024. So you have probably heard, as I have probably heard, a lot of uh, people making predictions, people making prophecies, prognosticators, uh, self-appointed visionaries, self-appointed prophets, etc., etc., self-appointed experts, think tank people, intelligence people, people from, you know, economists, people from a wide spectrum of life, especially the, the new generations of podcasters and people with internet social media shows that have just jumped on the bandwagon in the last couple of years. They're all making predictions about 2024. The problem with the predictions that are being made is that for the most part, or at least in terms of the overwhelming majority of the people making these predictions or prophecies about 2024, the overwhelming majority of them are doing so without any biblical reliance on the Spirit of God. Because it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that is our teacher, our counselor, and it's the Holy Spirit of God only that has the supernatural ability to guide us, to show us what's going to happen in the future so that we can prepare for it. It's only the Spirit of God that can do that. So you can be like a super genius. You can be a head of the Rand uh, uh, Corporation think tank and the many other think tanks at MIT and Stanford Research Institute, and on and on and on. Uh, you can be somebody involved with the World Economic Forum uh, and the Globalist Elite uh, and the Federal Reserve and the uh, IMF, International uh, Monetary System. So you can be an expert in a heavy-duty, rational, knowledge-based sense but if you don't have the Spirit of God to guide you, to supplement that, then you're, it's like going to a shooting range. And let's say that normally you're a very good marksman with whatever you know, you're, you're using at the shooting range, whether it's a pistol or some other kind of gun. But let's say your instructor or whatever at the shooting range throws you a curveball, and instead of just putting a patch over one eye while you're shooting a target, they, they put a, a blindfold or a handkerchief over both of your eyes. So you're physically standing, because they're guiding you into standing into the right position. They're physically guiding you into standing into the right position. You know from memory kind of like how you should stand and how you should aim. But you haven't really seen the targets since they have adjusted the positioning of the targets. So because you're blindfolded, you are shooting blind. So it doesn't matter how gifted your marksmanship is. It doesn't matter how accurate you normally are. If you're blindfolded, you're not going to be able to, to hit the target in, in the center of the bullseye, whatever that bullseye happens to be. So in the case of a bullseye at a police shooting range or something like that, the bullseye is, is often in the heart area, the center of the heart area, or the center of the forehead. Of the, of the forehead. And the idea is that if you can pull out your pistol or, or whatever gun you're using, and you fire your shot, 
and it goes, or you fire multiple shots, and they all land right in the middle of the middle of the middle of the circles on the forehead, or they land right in the middle of the circles where the heart is, then you know that if you're able to land all your bullets in the, in the center of the bullseye, that you're going to drop a potential adversary. You will end up taking down a potential adversary. And the result is, theoretically, that your life, the life of innocent people, and, and the life of people you're trying to rescue or protect, you'll be successful in, in fulfilling that mission or that endgame. Now, if you are sloppy and negligent or hungover or, or whatever, and you, and you don't show up for regular, consistent shooting range practice and training, it doesn't take all that long, no matter how good you were or are, at a certain point, if you're not uh, on a regular basis committed to, to practice at a shooting range uh, to keep your skills at the highest optimal level, what you'll notice is that your your bullets are not going to fly, not fly, but your bullets are not going to hit the bullseye. They'll be off. And, and, and the longer you don't train, the longer you don't practice, the farther and farther away your bullets will be from the bullseye, and you'll end up hitting an arm or a leg or some other non-lethal place on the human body. Now, Now, the goal is not to be sadistic, but the goal is to as quickly as possible, take out a potential enemy who represents a threat to the life, liberty of, of innocent people. And if you can't hit somebody quickly, and especially from a distance or they're moving or whatever, then you are, are a risk to your team. You're a risk to the people you're trying to rescue, and you become a soft target for your enemy. And your enemy may have been part of a group, a terrorist group, potentially, or whatever. Your enemy may be part of a group which trains heavily, and so they don't miss. So if you're going up against people and your uh, training and, and uh, shooting has been sloppy and irregular, but you're going up uh, against a team of terrorists or whatever who are diligently um, at their shooting range, wherever that secret place might be, They'll have the advantage. Okay, so the key is is to to maintain the level of your proficiency and accuracy in, in using a gun for legal and lawful purposes. Now, having said that, we the same dynamic applies to other areas of life, which which brings us to the uh, to understanding the overarching principle. And the overarching principle is that every one of us as individuals, if we're to have a correct, accurate view of reality, then we must come to terms, we must understand, if we're to maintain an accurate view of reality, an accurate perception of reality, we have to be cognizant of the fact that not only do we live in a three-dimensional world, uh, a physical dimensional world, which can be perceived by our various physical senses. But in addition to that, physicists like quantum physics, etc., and scientists from many different disciplines have discovered and taught us over the last number of decades 
that the world that we live in, the totality of the world that we live in, is a multi-dimensional world. So we live in a world that is composed of at least 11 to 12 or 11 to 13 different dimensions, not just the dimensions of, of past science, which only recognize the, the physical dimensions perceived by our physical senses. Beyond those physical dimension senses are a lot more dimensions outside of space and time, uh, dimensions in which communication can occur, dimensions in which uh, power, both uh, negative power and healing power, can be transported out of certain dimensions and uh, applied to this physical reality dimension. Interestingly enough, the Bible is packed with examples of this from the books, uh, the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. So in this area, too, we have to be accurate. We have to sharpen our minds, just like you have to keep your proficiency and level of performance uh, at a shooting range. You have to keep it high through practice. Through practice, through study, through research, through thinking, through biblical meditation, through uh, uh, reasoning, uh, through seeking the Lord continually and asking Him for direction and wisdom. We have to allow the Lord, through His Spirit and through His Word, to sharpen uh, our focus, our perception, and our thinking. If we allow our thinking and perception, to become dull, then we're not going to be accurate in our assessment, in our perception, in our ability to envision what's going to happen in the future, in our ability to make an accurate analysis of not only what's going on now, but what's going to go on in the future. All of that comes about through the product of study, diligence, Prayer, reading, research, acquiring knowledge, etc., etc. So, if you're not willing to cooperate with the Lord and step up your game to the level of an expert, to the level of proficiency, then there's going to be no difference between you and somebody, let's say, in law enforcement or the military or whatever, who's practicing at a shooting range but you have neglected to regularly discipline yourself. You've neglected to regularly uh, practice at the shooting range so that the accuracy of uh, you firing a gun or a rifle, uh, your, your accuracy should be amazing. You should be able to hit a target in the bullseye from a considerable distance or when an object is in motion or whatever. Why? Because you've practiced, 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 and you've maintained and you've developed your ability in that area. Okay, going to the shooting range and maintaining and developing your ability is the exact same thing in the, in the realm of mental power, mental clarity, uh, mental analysis, spiritual analysis. Spiritual gifting, spiritual power, uh, these are all grown, maintained, and, and developed 
when an individual uh, is willing to submit to the discipline of studying, learning, praying, practicing, growing in not only the power of the Holy Spirit, but growing through reading and meditating in, in the Word of God and developing a, a biblical worldview. So what happens, let's say, to an individual who, who wants to be used by God, who wants to uh, develop their spiritual gifts uh, to see an increase of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their lives, to, to see an increase of the expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in their lives. All of these things are supernatural. If, if their desire is to see uh, manifestations of legitimate spiritual healing uh, as God moves through their lives biblically, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens because you have participated in God's training program for you. So to the degree you participate in God's training program for you, the more you will see miracles in your life, the more you will uh, uh, have prophetic understanding of the future, the more you will have uh, a high degree of spiritual discernment, the more you will have confidence in waging intercessory warfare, the more you will have confidence in being victorious in spiritual warfare. And when the day is done, you will be a far more effective and victorious Christian in the spiritual battle of life, but it's all contingent upon are you participating by developing your gifts and cooperating with the Lord. Okay, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. We're going to shift gears and get into what literally is the greatest spiritual battle for the hearts and Minds of the Hearts and Souls of Mankind in the History of the World, which happens to be the title of a book I wrote called The Greatest Battle, which, by the way, you need to get because it's a power-packed book that will download into your mind at high speed, entertaining, fast-moving, non-boring, non-boring, that's like a passion with me. It'll explain to you what is happening now, how we got here in simple but, but uh, coherent terms. And then what do we do about it? And see, when you know this, knowledge is power, you have power, real power, versus, you know, phony baloney power. Okay, now I want to move into this again, the greatest spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. That is where we are. People who are not Christians are acknowledging that. People who are Christians, or at least some of them, are acknowledging that. Economists. World statesmen, prime ministers, military generals, the, the, the high-level professors at MIT and Google and, and other institutions which deal with the technology of transhumanism and genetic engineering, and we could go on and on and on. They are all in, in unison saying, we are entering a place that we've never been in before. The human race is entering a zone a quantum danger zone that we've never been in before. And it has the potential of igniting major repercussions and major blowback at every level of society. So that is true, and it can be substantiated by examining documentation. Now, the other thing that we need to know is that 
the only way we're going to survive what is coming, and I'm talking about 2024 primarily here, because I've heard a lot of people comment, talk, predict, project, prophesy, analyze, and tell us what's going to happen in 2024. And most of it, it's not that it's fictitious stuff that they're saying. A lot of it is based on, well, a lot of it is based on sound, historical, economic, geopolitical analysis. So it's not like, you know, they're flying high and they've disconnected from reality. That's not the case. They're, they're telling you things that the mainstream media is hiding from you. And, and we have to always remember this dynamic, that the mainstream media <clears throat> is a closed loop of information. The mainstream media is totally owned and the content is totally controlled by a tiny group of trillionaires and, and, you know, billionaires beyond billionaires, the entire global economy, the land, the media, the entertainment industries, assets, banks, finances, the political power of nations are all under the thumb or being controlled by just a tiny handful of trillionaire families and massive billionaire families whose money power and connections go back not just hundreds of years, not just thousands of years, but go back all the way to the times of, for example, uh, what I call the the Egyptian uh, pharaoh-god-king system in ancient Egypt. They go all the way back to Babylon at at the building of the Tower of Babel and the establishment of the occult, economic, geopolitical, scientific, supernatural system known as Mystery Babylon. So these people refer to themselves as Illuminati bloodline families, which simply means they claim to be the the ancestors of uh, when the fallen angels and the demons descended from heaven, for example, on Mount Hermon, 200 Enochian fallen angels descended upon Mount Hermon. And they mated with human women and produced a hybrid race known as the Rephium and the Nephilim, which had a genetic or DNA combination that was part human female DNA mixed with part um, fallen angel and demon DNA. And they gave mankind and, and women, men and women, they gave, this is important to study and to look back in time at what really happened, because they gave mankind an enormous amount of highly advanced technology, sciences, mathematics, all kinds of secrets to managing the world and the universe, uh, me, the, the, the science of metal, the science of uh, all kinds of sciences, including peripheral sciences like the science of, of women's makeup and enhancing their beauty and sexuality via makeup. Um, And so they were a hybrid race. And eventually, if you look at a map, and I talk about this in my book, um, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, The Greatest Battle, uh, The Day the Dollar Died, Power from on High, and other books, I talk about in detail the, the hidden account of these fallen angels who mated with human women on Mount Hermon. So if you look at Mount Hermon from an aerial map, or if you're flying into Jerusalem, I remember flying into Jerusalem 
or flying into Israel. And I could see, as we were flying into Israel, off in the distance, this massive mountain jutting out towards the sky. And the massive mountain was uh, Mount Hermon, where the fallen angels mated with human women and gave mankind science and technology. So, the, the fallen angels made numerous invasions, or let's call it encroachments, upon mankind, specifically targeting human females, and they wanted to mate with human females so that the human females would give birth to a hybrid race, which was a illicit mixture of the DNA of demons and fallen angels being mixed with the DNA of human women. And there are successive periods in history where these fallen angels uh, mobilized and came in in great numbers and uh, essentially laid siege to, to mankind by impregnating uh, countless thousands of human females and producing on a widespread scale uh, the hybrid race of the Nephilim or Rephium, that which, which had DNA that uh, was a hybrid mixture of human-female DNA mixed with demon DNA and fallen angel DNA. And then this happens uh, uh, right before the flood of Noah, because the Nephilim and Rephium have conducted global genetic experimentation. You, you've got to turn your mind on to grasp the, the heaviness and the intellectual power and the spiritual power of the Word of God or the Bible. It's not some dimwit Sunday school type book or a, a cartoon. It's, it's, it's a heavyweight book, and it deals with explosive and revolutionary truths that just happen to be true. So, right before the flood of Noah, the fallen angels had infiltrated planet Earth and had corrupted through genetic experimentation. Uh, they had corrupted. Uh, all the human beings, except for Noah and his family and Noah's wives and children. They corrupted all the animal species, the fish, the birds, everything. And God, the only way God could deal with this pervasive corruption of DNA was he had to wipe it out and eradicate it, which he did. And that was the primary purpose of the great flood of Noah, was to wipe out the wickedness that had overtaken the human race, but also to wipe out the genetic and DNA aberrations that had proliferated all across planet Earth. Okay, so the flood of Noah comes. God saves Noah, his family, and their children and wives. God spares those animals, those living species that had not yet been corrupted. And he brought those non-corrupted species two by two, male and female, aboard the ark. So he floods planet Earth and wipes out the genetic corruption. But then, after the end of the flood, and the waters are restored, God says to Noah that, and his family and sons, he tells them again, once again, he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And even as they're being fruitful and multiplying, the hybrid offspring of the Nephilim and the Rephium are busy, once again, secretly, in a clandestine manner, impregnating human women and, and, and creating that DNA genetic hybrid race. Right after the flood destroyed all the perversions of the, the DNA corruption, 
when the waters are restored, the Nephilim go right back to it. Now, what is interesting about this is that the people in the, the highest levels of the Illuminati, the occultists, people like Madame Blavatsky, the, the founder of the occult thing called the Blan, the trillionaires, the billionaires, and then what is described as Illuminati bloodline families. These are these are families like the, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, etc., that claim to go back thousands and thousands of years, and they claim to be genetically the direct descendants in terms of DNA. They claim to be the direct descendants of the fallen angels, and they claim to have mental and physical superiority. They claim to have giant size. Uh, physical status. They claim to have all these powers uh, granted to them because they claim to be the direct descendants of the fallen angels. And therefore, because they attribute their, their supernatural powers, etc., to the fact that their DNA uh, comes directly from the fallen angels, they refer to themselves as Illuminati bloodline families. Now, that's a hard pill for people to swallow. If that theory is true, and it, it looks like it is, they are the covert, hidden, Luciferian elite that are currently running planet Earth because they control economics, science, psychology, geopolitics, the military, gold, land, territory, and just about everything you can name. So that brings us up to this, to this very moment. You ask yourself the question, and we all do, how is it that so-called rational human beings, how is it that men and women, that many of them are famous historically, they're the heads of institutions like the United Nations and many scientific institutions, how is it that these highly advanced races of men and women, the Illuminati bloodline families, how is it that they can so egregiously and openly conspire to wipe out uh, the majority of the human race and what they intend to allow to remain are uh, men and women that are the direct genetic descendants known as the Illuminati bloodline families? So what that means is they uh, believe that they are a special master race. They believe they're a special, highly advanced race of God-men. And you really have to understand this, because if you don't really understand this, you are going to be clueless as you attempt to understand what is really happening in our nation and what is really happening in our world. Okay, so in a moment, we're going to take a short nano break, and we're going to come back and we're going to focus in on this Illuminati bloodline family uh, plan to take over planet Earth. And, and that's because you can't understand what's really going on on planet Earth right now unless you understand the ramifications of what is called the Illuminati bloodline families. Okay, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. My name is Paul McGuire. I need you to stand with me with your contributions and your donations. The name of the game is to communicate our message far and wide, as fast as possible. 
We are in a race against time. Your freedom, your future, the future of your loved ones, the future of your children and grandchildren are all dependent upon whether or not you and I, working together, that we keep the doors of freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, all the other freedoms, that we keep the doors of freedom wide open for our children and grandchildren and so on and so forth, and that we do everything in our power to effectively resist what is nothing less than a global planetary takeover by the Illuminati elite who believe that they have the right to do anything they please because they believe in their pride and arrogance that they are the direct descendants of the fallen angels um, and the uh, uh, demons. And thus they believe they are the godmen and the godwomen and that they are part of what is called the Illuminati bloodline families. And what I'm about to share with you factually regarding the game plan, the operational game plan of the Illuminati bloodline families will, will not only blow your mind, but it will give you a download of the, a download of the knowledge you need to overcome the de- demonic powers in your community, families, and nations. So visit paulmcguire.us, that's paulmcguire.us, ask the Lord what you can do in terms of giving and donations, and then obey the Lord. We're in a battle. The future depends upon it. Then we need your help in being intercessory prayer warriors for me and everybody associated with the ministry. And finally, we are being attacked full-on by a massive uh, bot campaign, algorithm campaign, computer campaign designed to suppress our existence, designed to relegate us to uh, obscurity, and there are hundreds of technological developments implemented in the last eight years which allow the Luciferian elite and the globalist elite to totally dominate and control the flow of information so they can retain their power. And it's all done through the manipulation of the media and the Internet. Let me toss this out to you, because this is an important point to grasp. I have done many programs on the Chinese social credit card system, and I pointed out to you, and and many of you knew about it anyway, I pointed out to you that in communist China, every citizen is being monitored 24-7. Their income, their jobs, whether they can rent or buy or purchase, the quality of life they have, the freedoms they have, they are all contingent on their daily performance that is constantly being recorded through video, audio, computers, and all kinds of other information. And if you do say or think anything that is deemed as critical of the communist Chinese regime, you receive a lower point scale to the degree that you obey and cheer on and praise the communist regime, you receive uh, a higher point score. And whether you have a higher or lower point score will determine what freedoms you have, the amount of money you can make, whether you can buy a house, whether you live in a slum or a nice neighborhood. It's a total control system over your life. Do you understand that? It's a total control system. And they have cameras on you 24-7. Now, here's the eye-opener. The, the exact same control system that has been implemented in the communist Chinese 
social credit card system. That exact same uh, social uh, credit system has now been implemented in the United States of America and other Western nations, but specifically America. And this new uh, American uh, social credit card system um, is a monstrous, all-powerful regulator and electronic dictatorship over the average American in so many ways. But you see, it's slightly, slightly more subtle than the communist system. And therefore, people don't realize its negative impact, its ability to enslave, its ability to destroy people's lives and families. But that same system, now listen to me, I've spent a lifetime researching this. That same system has now been operational in America for decade after decade after decade. Now listen carefully to what I'm saying, because I'm going to give you a short version of how this electronic, computerized totalitarianism, how it really works, okay, in your life. So, so track with me. This is vital that you understand it, and it's vital that you're able to explain it to others. I also deal with it in greater detail in my books, Power from on High, The Greatest Battle, and A Prophecy of the Future of America. Okay. When the COVID pandemic hit, There were all these promises by our government that they were going to bail out, they were going to finance, and they were going to prioritize the bailing out and the financing of people in in the lower uh, working class, the middle working class, and the upper working class. People that, oh, they were going to prioritize especially people who were small business owners. You remember those promises, so do I. And over and over again, we heard how the government was going was to make sure that, that small business owners, the lower class, the middle class, and small business owners could be people with a 500 employees or five employees. But the government promised to make them whole and, and make sure they got money and tax breaks and all these special programs. So I didn't believe that the minute I heard it, because... If it sounds too good to be true, it usually isn't true. So conducting my own random testing, which, which I do by simply walking around with my eyes open and then observing with my eyes, reading reports, economic reports, talking to people, you know, as many people as I can, I noticed very early on something very peculiar. And what I noticed early on was that in any small shopping mall area to large shopping mall area or any area where there were lots of stores, restaurants, retail stores, or whatever, I noticed the same, the same template happening over and over again. I noticed that all the big retailers and the big corporations, I noticed that they were not being harmed. I noticed that they were receiving hundreds of millions of dollars of bailout money and all kinds of tax breaks, all kinds of special financial programs that were designed specifically to help and empower the big billion-dollar multinational corporations, the big retailers, you know, people like Walmart and Kmart and, and uh, the car dealerships, the big car dealerships, 
and all the you know the big retailers, car dealerships, all the big companies, Nike, all the big companies were being bailed out, and their stores stayed open, and they were able to meet the payroll of their employees. But simultaneously, I noticed that in all these malls and shopping areas and store areas that I walked through, I began to notice almost immediately a very strange dichotomy. The big billion-dollar companies were secretly being kept afloat, and they were not experiencing any pain. But then I observed simultaneously, I would see all these small businesses shutting down, going out of business, going bankrupt, shutting their doors. So wherever I walked, I would see like sandwich shops, pizza places, restaurants going under with signage to prove it. We're no longer in business. And nobody was bailing out these millions of small business owners across America. The small business owners across America were left high and dry. They were left to die. Nobody cared, despite all the promises from the government that they would be protected, that they would prioritize small business owners. And I noticed that there was wave after wave of small business owner, medium business owner, and even relatively large business owners that were collapsing, going bankrupt, shutting their doors, having to to, uh, go into foreclosure all over the place in these shopping areas. So I would see, you know, the big businesses They were doing fine, but the independently owned small business owner, family business owner, hardworking middle class, whether it was a sandwich shop, a restaurant, uh, you know, there's so many independent businesses. They, nobody was bailing them out like they were promised. Nobody was, was covering their payroll like they were promised. Nobody was funneling all these millions of dollars into the small or medium-sized business owners. They were all going broke because they didn't have this, this magical parachute provided by government to keep them afloat. And they didn't grow, uh, 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 go broke because they were incompetent in their business. No, their business ethics were, were, were superior to the giant corporations. And I have noticed that this trend of deliberate, I believe that they are deliberately allowing the small business owner to fail, the medium-sized business owner to fail, up until this very moment. The laws that were supposed to protect us from the spread of COVID specifically punished and bankrupted things like churches, specifically. The amount of churches that have been wiped out due to the punitive measures of fighting COVID, is astronomical. The amount of restaurants and and independent family-owned businesses going bankrupt is astronomical. And the reason it's happening is that none of the monies that the small business owner, the medium-sized business owner, or the medium-large-sized business owner, none of the monies and bailouts and, and payrolls coverage that they were promised it never came to them. All that money was secretly funneled into the billion-dollar mega corporations and the mega businesses. They sucked up all the money, and they were flying high and floating in a wash of taxpayer money and bailouts, while 
the, the bread and butter of the American economy, and this has been said for decades, that the, that the cornerstone of the American economy has always been independent businesses and independent business owners. But they were deliberately allowed to fail. Why? Because certain people in power knew that the independent business owner, like restaurants or whatever, that many of them, not all of them, but many of them, held to libertarian or conservative political point of views because they had to either produce a profit or go bankrupt their entire lives. So they were deliberately and strategically denied the bailout money. And so that brings us up to today. You have millions of people that have lost their homes and their condos, millions of people that have permanently lost their businesses. I mean, when I say lost their business, they lost their investment. It wasn't that they just walked away from their business. They had to pay for all the debts, all the loans, the investments in furniture and lighting and, and, and construction and all the stuff that goes along with manufacturing and owning your small business. They had to pay for it. The government didn't come around and help any of them. They only helped these big mega businesses. Why? Because the globalist elite want to and have wanted to destroy the avenues and opportunities of small business owners, medium-sized business owners, family-owned businesses for decade after decade after decade after decade. That's why they have always allowed and rewarded economically uh, globalist corporations like uh, Walmart to flourish. Why did Walmart flourish year after year? Because their, their business acumen was so superior? No. It is alleged by many very, very smart economists that the secret to Walmart's success was simply this. They would buy their products. Their products were all made in China. They would buy their products, their shirts, their vitamins, whatever. They would buy it all from China, communist China, and they would buy it really cheap, pennies on the dollar. And then they would import it into the United States of America and sell it through their Walmart stores. Now, the small business owners uh, in all kinds of uh, retail-type outlets, the small business owners, especially in the beginning, did not have access to buy their products, to buy their vitamins, to buy their clothes, to buy their lawnmowers and all the other stuff that Walmart sells. The small business owners, the family-owned business owners, they didn't have access to the cheap communist labor and the very, very cheap uh, communist manufactured products. So, in an epidemic fashion, all across America, you know, it used to be that in America, and I talk about this in Power from on High in great detail and the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of America in great, in great detail. It used to be the staple or the basic template in America that towns were centered around, towns all across America were centered around a main street or several streets that intersected and functioned as a main street. Now, I want you to really zero in with me on understanding this concept, because when you understand this concept, it's going to produce a revolution of your, in your mind of understanding of what has really been going on. So. Walmart, because they could out, they could sell everything cheaper than the independent small business owner, 
very soon began to suck up all the business in town after town in America because people, when push came to shove, they stopped buying from the local family-owned businesses because the local family-owned businesses were selling their products, etc., at a higher price. Why? Because they were buying their products because their products of the small business owner were made in America. And products made in America cost more to manufacture than when you're hiring slave communist labor in communist China. So the small business owner, the family-owned small businesses, began to go bankrupt in 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 a pandemic style. Why? Because they could not compete with this massive billionaire giant of of a globalist corporation known as Walmart and the other big retailers who were buying uh, all their products from communist China. So the next thing that happened was that all these American-owned businesses and manufacturers went out of business. All the businesses owned by small business owners and families went out of business. And this specific, now listen to this, this is very, very vital that you, that you grasp this 100%. They knew strategically, they knew mathematically and economically that if you analyze the demographic of the small business owner, the family-owned business owners, if you micro-examine that huge economic force in America known as the small or independent business owners, that a very, very large percentage of those people were firm believers in things like biblical family values. They were firm believers in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and America as a sovereign nation. And they were firm believers in the, the freedoms of America, like the Bill of Rights and all of our freedoms. And they were highly patriotic. They were not globalists. They were pro-America, pro-God, pro-church, pro-family. The globalist elite knew this. So what happened was a deliberate, methodical stealth attack on the middle class, working class, hardworking, family-owned business owners. They were attacked viciously on a, in economic warfare. And as to be expected, they could not compete with the economic buying and purchasing clout that Walmart had. So they began to go under. They began to go uh, bankrupt. And this sent ripple waves across the economy because this meant that these people, the small business owners, and their families and their children, you see, the small business owner, when they owned their businesses, were able to pass on to their family, children, and grandchildren, they were able to pass on and preserve their wealth. Now, that principle right there is the secret. It's the secret of acquiring wealth and the international banking families and the globalist families and the trillionaire families, they fully understand that because they utilize other mechanisms to preserve their wealth and pass their wealth onto their children, their grandchildren, for generation after generation. They simply do it with an army of lawyers and by creating what is known as the tax-exempt foundation. So they hide their family money, their family fortunes, within the barriers of tax-exempt foundations, which are, which, wh- wh- whose primary purpose is to preserve the wealth of the super-wealthy 
so they can pass it down from generation to generation. So the super wealthy, this was, this was a globalist elite attack on the foundation of America. It was designed to destroy Christian business owners, Jewish business owners, conservative business owners. It was designed to destroy and decimate and bankrupt um, the entire economy that was built on independent business ownership, preserving your wealth, passing your wealth down to your children and grandchildren. Now, what happened next? What happened next was, as the Walmarts began to target specific cities and communities, once they set up their giant Walmarts and they, they could sell everything at these super low prices because they bought the products in China, it sent shockwaves throughout these local communities, and it began to bankrupt en masse the middle-class business owner, the lower-class business owner, the family-owned business owner. They were all bankrupted. And along with that, Walmart destroyed what was known as Main Street USA. Wall Street and the major billionaire globalist conglomerates targeted and destroyed Main Street USA. Why? Because all the stores in the millions of Main Streets across America, you could drive down Main Street. They all had a charm to it. They had local restaurants, local coffee shops, local tailors, local TV repairmen. the, The small business owners and the community business owners had an environment which showcased them, and allowed them to flourish economically. That environment was called Main Street USA. So what happened, as all the small business owners who sold their products in a person-to-person, face-to-face manner across all the Main Street USAs across America, they mysteriously began to go bankrupt and began to go under financially. And as they went bankrupt and they went under financially, They had to, even if they owned these small businesses on Main Street, they had to sell them at a loss. They had to leave them, and they they were forced to retire. And many of them, tragically, because they lost their ownership and control of their own businesses as the small business owners of Main Street, some of these people were hurt so bad financially by the Walmarts, etc., that the men and sons and daughters of the small business owners who who, who uh, proudly owned their own businesses now had to leave their businesses, and they had to fill out employment applications over at Walmart and Kmart and all the other billion-dollar retailers, where they would only be hired at basically slave labor wages They had no power or authority. Nobody cared about their management experience. They were paid minimum wage at best. They no longer had any say-so, no no longer had any uh, uh, power to be managers. They basically became the lowest paid slaves in the empires of Walmart and these other gigantic stores because their family-owned businesses were deliberately bankrupted. And you will never hear that talked about in detail in the mainstream media because the mainstream media are owned, controlled, and bought 
by the same globalist corporations that owned the retailers that covertly destroyed Main Street USA. Now, what does that mean to you? What it means to you is that the globalist elite, literally through economic warfare, smashed Main Street USA, smashed the small business owner and the family-owned businesses. They destroyed them, and then they conquered Main Street, and they conquered all these small towns by off by selling the goods and services far cheaper because they were buying from communist nations than the small business owner could. So you say, well, what does it have to do with me? It has everything to do with you, because the, the, the available wealth, the power to generate wealth, the power to generate riches, the power to generate assets, the power to generate excessive assets, which allow you to pass your money down from generation to generation, your kids and grandkids, all of that was decimated. So when that was decimated, you destroyed the capacity for Christians, conservatives, patriotic Americans, uh, lower class workers, lower class business owners, middle class workers, middle class business owners, middle to larger class business owners. All of this allowed the average man and woman in America, it allowed them a pathway to achieve the American dream. The globalist elite, the Rockefellers, the, the Walmarts, the globalist elite decimated, nuked, and smashed that economic pathway for the average person to accumulate enough wealth by his own or her own hard work, like in Main Street USA. And so, since the globalist elite intentionally destroyed and obliterated the pathway for the working class and the lower class, to accumulate their own money through hard work and ownership of their own houses and ownership of their own businesses, since that was targeted for destruction, they had to go find jobs as minimum wage slaves in the empires of Walmart and the other globalist corporations. So what this did is this functioned like a giant vacuum cleaner, sucking all the cash, all the money, all the economic opportunities they were sucked right out of the heart and soul of lower class America, the working class of America, the middle class of America, and Americans everywhere. You see, whether you think you were or not, you were indirectly impacted by the equivalent of an economic ballistic missile hitting your society, which blew up the possibilities that you previously had to generate wealth and. In, in the final analysis, the whole thing our founding fathers did was set up a system where the, anybody who worked hard could become part and an owner in the American dream. So the pathway to the American dream was deliberately obliterated. The pathway to the American dream was deliberately obliterated in a way that was just and cruel and violent as when. Uh, allegedly, American planes and bombers and jets dropped the flaming napalm on the bodies of Vietnamese children during the Vietnam War, which burned them alive. So this gooey substance fell from the skies, burning, and it would land on the naked skin of the Vietnamese children and burn them alive. 
that is the moral equivalent of what happened in America as the American dream was targeted for destruction. Let me add something as a side note. When I used to host my other program, the nationally syndicated Paul McGuire uh, show, which aired on every major AM, FM market in the United States for over 10 years, one of the guests I had and one of the guests I felt most honored to have, many of you will remember this, there was, it was either on the cover of Newsweek or the cover on Time magazine. I don't remember which, but it was either the cover of Newsweek or the cover of Time magazine. There were several semi-naked Vietnamese children running for their lives with a look of total terror in their faces. One of these, one of these Vietnamese children was, was a young, naked girl. And the horror on her face, anyone who saw that picture, you never forgot it like I never forgot it. This young Vietnamese girl was running for her life. She was shrieking in terror. The terror on her face was unimaginable. She was running in total terror for her life, and she was completely naked. And Time or Newsweek showed her complete nakedness, and that was not inappropriate because you needed to see the terror in her eyes and her complete nakedness. That's the only way you could have grasped the atrocity and the abomination of what was happening. So this girl ran ahead of the other children. She was totally naked, and the napalm, the burning napalm, was falling from the sky and landing on the children and burning them horribly, disfiguring them, and in some cases, burning them alive. Napalm was a cruel, cruel weapon. Now, depending upon what age you are, tens of millions of people saw that cover. Tens of millions of people in America saw that naked Vietnamese girl running for her life in terror as napalm was dropped from our giant military jets and planes above her. So you remember her face like I never forgot her face. Decades later, as I'm hosting the Paul McGuire show in, uh, which were the studios were in KBRT in Southern California, I was doing the show and the girl that was naked running for her life from the napalm, she wrote a book and she became saved. She became a strong born again Christian. So the same girl that was naked running from her, running in terror for her life with napalm, flaming napalm being dropped from the sky upon her, she later turned her life over to Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and became a very strong born-again Christian. So she wanted to be in my radio program, and I jumped at the opportunity, and I had her on for about an hour and a half, and I allowed her the total space to share her real-life account of what happened when she was running naked from the the flaming napalm weapons that were being dropped from giant military aircraft flying above. So she told me her story and how, how eventually she it led her to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. I thank God that God redeemed her life, but I believe that God allowed the world to see her picture because you can't forget it. When you see that picture, it stays in your mind forever. It's an atrocity that is so unspeakable, it doesn't leave your mind. 
<clears throat> and so she shared with me her whole story. And I mean, I could have wept as the host right live on the air. In fact, I was probably restraining myself from weeping. Even now, as I retrieve the memory of it, and I think of her face, you know, you, sometimes you just have to make the choice. Listen to what I'm saying, please. Sometimes you just have to make the choice. We as Americans, we have to, especially men like me, we have to make the choice to let go of our hardness of heart, of our cynicism that this world has given us. And so men and women, I just want to challenge you and exhort you. In order to receive revival, part of the process is we have to let go into the hands of Jesus the hardness of heart that we all have, including me, and the cynicism we have. Because, you see, we, 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 we develop that as a protective mechanism. We develop that as a protective mechanism to keep us sane as we looked at these atrocities, like this girl. And so... Uh, I know many people came to Christ when she was on my program, and I thank God. And, and, and I had a choice in that studio. You know, I managed my emotions, but privately, without waving a big flag and making a big to-do about it, I made the choice to drop my hardness of heart and give my hardness of heart over to the Lord. I made the choice to uh, uh, release my cynicism into the hands of God. And we are all called to do that on a regular basis. I don't want to digress too much. But, you know, when I issue a call and I challenge you in the Lord or I exhort you in the Lord to to pray for me and this ministry and simply ask the Lord what he would have you give financially or in terms of a contribution or a donation, and then I say to you, simply give whatever whatever it is that the Lord has told you to give or donate and contribute. Now, when I say that, what has to happen in my life and your life, we're all the same. What has to happen in my life and your life, before anything can happen, we have to make that inner choice to drop or discard the cynicism in our heart, or to drop or discard or to give away the hardness of our heart to the Lord. Because we're all exposed to so many fundraising pitches and manipulation, etc. That let's let's be honest, we develop uh, a hardness of heart towards the Lord when it comes to donating, giving, and contributing, because we've been taken advantage of. And I understand that, and you understand. But so right now, I'm asking you, we're in a war spiritually. I'm asking you to join with me to win victoriously. But in order to do that, I have to, and you have to, drop that hardness of heart for the Lord. Because that, if we're maintaining with our will hardness of heart in our heart, if we're maintaining with an act of our will uh, a, a, a cynicism in our heart, that cynicism or that hardness of heart which we allow to exist in our hearts or inner man or inner woman, that deafens us and it blocks us from hearing the authentic voice of God. So when we say, when I challenge you to pray and ask God how much you should give financially or how much you should donate or how much you should contribute, you have to first 
deal with the hardness of heart or the, the cynicism, and you have to let go of it before Jesus. Then, after you do that, you'll notice that there's kind of a weight, a weight that's taken off your heart and chest. And as you give the hardness of heart and the cynicism and pessimism to the Lord, you then open a door for the Lord to speak to you freshly and vitally, and you allow the Lord to speak to you at this moment. And then you discover, if you truly discarded your hardness of heart, that the Lord will answer your prayer if you're sincere in, in saying, Lord, how much would you have me give to Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church? I promise you, you will hear the Lord speak to you in his still small voice, and you will hear the Lord instruct you and tell you how much he wants you to give in terms of a contribution or a donation. And so however large it is, or however small, or even if you think it's just an average gift, the, the goal is that you, whatever the Lord is asking you to do, that's what you do. And when you get rid of the hardness of heart, you'll discover that, that, that you will be able to hear the Lord speak to you. Now, if you, if you pray the Lord to speak to you, and you never hear the Lord speaking to you, I'm not condemning you, but may I challenge you in saying, when you ask the Lord for direction regarding giving or contributing or donating, but you never seem to hear him speak to you, may I humbly challenge you to re-examine this potential, which is, if you have developed the habit, or if you have habitually developed the behavior pattern of, with an act of your will, whether you realize it or not, where you deliberately no longer, you, you with an act of your will, erect an internal psychological environment where you no longer are able to hear the Lord speak to you about how much to give or donate or contribute. So the reason you're not hearing the voice of the Lord is not because the Lord is not speaking to you. It's because, whether you realize it or not, you erected the habit. You have habitually developed a psychological pattern which shuts the voice of the Lord out of your inner man or woman. And so I'm saying to you, the reason you have not been able to hear the voice of the Lord tell you what to give or how to pray, etc., is because, again, whether you know it or not, you've erected a blockage. And so the only way to get rid of that blockage is to repent before the Lord. And when you do that, I promise you, you will supernaturally hear the voice of the Lord speak to you. And then when he speaks to you, no matter what he tells you to give, you obey him. And if you could do that consistently, you will rebuild that oneness between you and the Lord. Now, why that is important is far bigger of an issue than, than a monetary giving issue. But the, the, the deeper, bigger, massive issue that it connects to is this. When you train your spirit, when you develop a habit in your spirit, you, you develop a, a relationship with the Lord that is built on, in part, a hardness and unwillingness to acknowledge the fact that you can really hear his voice because you're pretending not to hear his voice, and this becomes a habit. Now, why this is dangerous and why this is far bigger than what it appears to be is that in every prayer in your life, 
whether you're praying for loved ones, for children, for a job, for healing, every prayer in your life, every prayer in your life, regarding every kind of situation in your life, if you have habitually developed the habit of not hearing the Lord and then doing what the Lord tells you, then you're going to discover that there has been a very dangerous, and yes, very demonic, very dangerous block in your heart and mind regarding the Lord. So now when it comes to the healing of a loved one who is sick, or your healing because you're sick, or the need of a job, or the need of financial provision, or the need of an open door uh, for a job, or the need of, of favor with somebody, or the need of, you know, the needs that we have are endless. So if we're praying to God regarding any one of those endless needs, and yet we don't hear him answer, and we don't hear him direct us, the, the only way to fix that is to understand that we in, part, we in part created that environment of unbelief, that environment of not being able to hear the voice of the Lord through a series of habitual choices. And so this is where the rubber meets the road. When we do that, we negatively impact the Lord from being able to speak to us with his still small voice. We negatively impact the Lord to give us breakthrough and move into our lives and loved ones' lives through healing and provision and defense and all kinds of things. You see, if you're erecting a stronghold of unbelief and a dynamic of not being able to hear the still small voice of the Lord, let's say, continually, when you ask God, Lord, how much should I contribute or give or donate financially, that habit pattern or that stronghold, whether you recognize it or not, spreads like a, a toxic infection to every area of your spiritual man and woman. And so what you discover is that you're inevitably blocking and damaging the miracle flow of God, the voice of God, and the move of God that should be happening in, in, in so many places of your life, you've, you've hit the off switch to it. And the only way you can undo hitting the off switch is you have to start over, like, immediately. You don't condemn yourself because that's in the past. You proceed forward, and you do the best as you can, and when you pray to God, Lord, how much would you have me give or donate or whatever, and you know what, what we're trying to do, so instead of pretending you don't hear the Lord, and instead of acting out uh, a scenario where you don't do anything because you say you didn't hear from the Lord, you quickly repent of that, and now you choose, because if you're really honest, deep down inside, if you're really honest, you know, and I know, because it works the same way in my life, that when you ask God, Lord, how much should I give or contribute or donate, you can be assured that the Lord indeed is speaking to you in a still, small voice. And so the next step is to do what he tells you to do. And when you develop that as a habit, you free up the whole clogged wheel of progress. You free up the spiritual power, the spiritual provision in every dimension of your life. It, it, it carries over and it gets freed up. And that's powerful. That's really powerful. And the same thing is true when I say I need you to, you know, become a spiritual prayer warrior and intercessor for me, my family, and everybody associated with this ministry. I need you to take an active step in 
and helping us overcome the rigging war and the targeting war. Because I dared to warn people about the dangers of the vaccine. I dared to tell them the dangers. I have told you dangers regarding 5G and dangers that that can cause you death, disease, and horrific things. I've warned you about it. And I've told you things that you can do. For, For my willingness to obey God and tell you the truth, the price that I personally pay is I get kicked off of Google and I get kicked off of other of the globalist elite uh, uh, social social media that they dominate and control. See, if you tell the truth in love, if you set people free, if you say something is going to kill you biologically and it's true, they're going to come after you and they have come after me and they're going to censor you and they're going to try to shut you down and they're going to subversively through all kinds of sophisticated uh, technological mechanisms, they're going to try to destroy you. So that's the price I pay for functioning on love. And I don't complain about it. It's a choice I made voluntarily. And I'm thankful to God that I made that choice. I made that choice because I decided to obey the still small voice of the Lord step by step all the way, rather than obey, quote, the conventional voice of wisdom. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a second. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Again, visit paulmcguire.us. One final thing that I want to communicate to you on today's program. Again, 2024. Many people are essentially cursing 2024. I'm not saying we're not going to have challenges. We are. There are going to be challenges, difficulties, exposure of corrupt people and corrupt institutions like you've never seen before. 2024 will most likely be a rocky road. But what I want to close on is this. God knows how to watch the back of his people. God knows how to defend the righteous in Christ. God knows how to provide when there doesn't seem to be a way to provide. God can send his angelic armies into your situation at any time that you call on his name. God can send his healing power. God can send you wisdom and guidance. God can give you a plan so that even if it appears that your, quote, business or whatever has been attacked or even decimated, don't allow yourself to be bludgeoned into a state of passivity. Call on the name of the Lord regarding, you know, the the families of the Walmart and small town USA and Main Street USA and stuff like that. It doesn't begin and end there. Our source is always the Lord. So when we're facing severe problems that are real, they're not make-believe, the only way that we can be victorious is we can't allow ourselves to get locked in in, in, into a downward spiral. To the degree that we sync up with God is to the degree we will experience God's supernatural power, supernatural provision, and supernatural blessing. God did not call you and I to live an identity as perpetual victims in this life and in this nation. The hand, whether you realize it or not, the hand of God is upon your life. The hand of God's blessing is upon your life. It's my job and your job to respond. And when God reaches down to the earth and reaches out to us with his hand of supply, his hand of healing, and his hand of blessing, and his hand of protection, it's our responsibility to reach our hands upward and meet God's hand as it reaches downward, when our hands connect, 
We clasp hands together. So you and I make the decision to clasp hands together with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we do that, that's an act of faith. It's a, it's a way of saying, it's a way of worshiping God in which we're saying, I'm reaching out to you, Lord, and I'm clasping your hand. And the Lord, in turn, reaches down to us on earth and clasps our hand. When, that, when those two hands join together, clasping together in Jesus Christ, it's, it's the equivalent of an electrical circuit being completed. You don't have to be an engineer to know the basics. If you've got a wire that conducts electricity, and yet you cut that wire in half, whatever electricity that was supposed to flow through the wire isn't going anywhere, and it's not going to produce the release of energy that you want. So you have to repair the broken wire. By connecting two bare wires together, you connect it so it's no longer severed in two. And then the energy comes. In the same way, when we're faced with problems and challenges and difficulties, and we're tempted to give up or be despondent, we reach our hands up to the Lord in worship. And as we reach our hands up towards heaven in worship, the Lord reaches his, his hand down from heaven in worship. We join hands, you, I, and Jesus. We join hands, and then the Lord clasps our hand. We clasp the Lord's hand, and it's like that electric circuit. Our hand-to-hand or our palm-to-palm is connected with God, and then, like an electrical wire, the power of God is now free to flow down from heaven into the earth to overcome or solve the problem, no matter what it may be. And then, as that power of God continues to flow from Jesus' hand through our body, into the situation to rectify it, the power of God, just like electrical current, continues to flow in in, in a loop fashion, and the power of God in a loop goes back up into heaven, into the throne room of God, where it originated with Jesus Christ sitting on the throne room of God. So the point is, we don't live our lives separated from the power of God, or or the electrical power of God, which is like a wire that's been cut. We, we need to make sure that we repair our connection with God, just like we would repair a, an electrical wire so it can conduct electrical electricity. That's what repentance is. It's not, it's not beating yourself up with a baseball bat. Repentance is looking at our lives and making sure that we're repairing anything that could be severing or blocking the power of God flowing from the hands of Jesus, flowing from heaven into the hands of Jesus, into our hands, which are clasped to Jesus' hand, and then that power of God continues to flow through our hand, arm, heart, body, and then flows out of our other hand in a loop, and then it goes right back into the kingdom of heaven and the throne room of God. When this power of God is released, it releases the supply of God, the provision of God, the anointing of God, the defense of God, the healing of God, the mind of Christ, supernatural plans from God, wisdom and vision from God, and victory in personal spiritual battles, national spiritual battles, and global spiritual battles. It produces victory because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The power of God that is in us, the dunamis dynamite power of God, is greater on every level 
than Lucifer's temporary impotent power. And on that note, and on that encouragement, I want to uh, encourage you, in Jesus' name, to carry on. Carry on in victory by faith, in Jesus' name. This is Paul McGuire. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. Mm-hmm.